In the rapidly evolving landscape of workplace design, sustainability has emerged as a paramount consideration. Uh, in this podcast, produced in collaboration with Peldon Rose, we will explore how workspaces can be created that minimise environmental impact while maximising employee well-being and productivity. We will discuss how sustainable design practices can positively influence both landlords and tenants, and how sustainable materials and energy efficient systems can be used without compromising design aesthetics. In addition, we will consider whether sustainable design can truly deliver on its promises of reduced costs and improved occupier satisfaction, and learn why Peldon Rose has fired the starter pistol on what it calls the sustainability sprint. I'm Jess Harold, uh, and I'm delighted to be joined by Tash Hewlett, Senior Project Designer at Peldon Rose, and Steve Malkin, CEO and founder at PlanetMark. Uh, first, please do introduce yourselves to the listeners and, and tell us a little bit about yourselves and the work that you do. Um, Tash, perhaps you'd like to go first? Thanks, Jess. Yeah, I'm Tash from Peldon Rose. Um, we are design and fit-out business, and we are workplace strategists, um, trying to lead um, the discussions in sustainability in our workplace. Sounds good. And Steve? Hi. Uh, yeah, Steve Malkin, so uh, CEO and founder of Planet Mark. And we're actually working with Peldon Rose and Tash and the team on, you know, measuring and reducing the carbon in, in your business. And, and that's what we do. You know, we help hundreds of companies, UK and beyond, measure and reduce carbon, um, you know, tackle net zero. And there's a big piece around net zero. And this is, we're really excited to have this conversation. And also do things like measuring social value so we can get our arms around, you know, the full complement of ESG and lots and lots in the built environment. So, <laughs> yeah, it's great to be here. I'm sure. Um, so let's sort of turn to this project you've been working on. And, and to begin, Tash, perhaps you could explain the concept of the sustainability sprint uh, that has been undertaken by Peldon Rose and, and how you've gone about developing it. Absolutely. Um, so the idea of a sprint is essentially a fast-paced model um, that answers business critical questions, and that's through design, testing, and prototyping. So we undertook our sustainability sprints with a group of experts on our panel from all different backgrounds and specialities to give us a real diverse group of people. And we wanted to examine what a planet-first workplace could um, or would look like of the future. And we're definitely not experts, you know, we're on this journey together, and this is why we wanted to get such a diverse group of people um, all coming together starting that discussion. So we wanted to create a hypothetical uh, sustainable office and really dive into what that meant for landlords and occupiers specifically. Um, so we looked at a five-step process, we mapped out what our problems were, what we wanted to try and achieve around this and we all came together and really got into the details of what this place, you know, what the space could look like um, and what it means for not just um, your people but the community as well. Now creating a planet first workplace it sounds like quite a big task quite quite a, quite a challenge so what were some of the main difficulties that you faced uh, as you sort of began this project? Absolutely. I mean, there were there are a lot of challenges, as we knew there would be, because this was to spark the conversation. But we actually started looking of, you know, wider possibilities of what we can do um, in workspaces, whether these buildings are multi-purpose, multifunctional um, buildings that can be used for offices and then um, the community when it's not being used nine to five, Monday to Friday. But with that, there was a lot of logistical problems behind that. Um, could it work? Would it work? and is that what people actually want um, from the office so it really did open up our eyes to lots of different solutions and problems bringing Stephen at this point I imagine this all sounds very close to your heart uh, how would you assess the, the significance of sustainability and its potential to, to deliver both reduced costs uh, and improved occupier satisfaction in offices so so first of all we're really happy that sort of 
Tash and the team at Pelton Rose chose to do this because um, we've got a breakout of business as usual. So, you know, we're in this period of, you know, actually quite radical transformation. Um, and the built environment is a, a, you know, an important, critical probably part of actually decarbonizing, getting to net zero and also meeting the needs of wider communities. So first of all, I just think that, you know, the ability to bring people together um, and we talk about collaboration, don't we? Mm. But in actual fact, to bring a diverse group of people together to rethink is one of the most important things that any any organization can actually do you know focused around okay look this is areas of expertise but in actual fact we don't have all the answers and we we you know we want to um, bring that bring those groups of people together to rethink so love that there's a lot about transformation in there and then there's that sort of conceptual piece isn't there but then actually getting down to practicalities so there is a direct correlation between sort of sustainability and business value but there's also quite often a direct correlation between reducing carbon and reducing cost mm. so a lot of people would think actually taking action on climate is going to cost me a lot of money there are parts of that around net zero which are true but in actual fact if you're looking at uh, the ability to rethink a space um, there are ways and means of actually reducing carbon and reducing cost that might be both in the materials choice through embodied carbon but it also through the operational carbon reducing energy reducing cost it's a very obvious place to start to tackle that piece around reducing cost reducing energy reducing carbon i guess the, the, there must be some element of balancing that upfront cost against long-term savings involved well there is yeah okay so that's that harmonization between so if you're taking your view on let's say a life cycle assessment on the type of kit that you might be doing to to bring into a property you you you, there is sometimes a tension between embodied carbon and operational carbon. So, if, you know, there could be something around insulation mm -hmm. that say, okay, I might have a slightly higher embodied carbon because I'm putting more insulation in. But ultimately, over the duration, over the lifetime of the space or the building, the overall cost and the overall carbon have come down. So we, we're very, very big fans of measuring stuff. So you get that harmonization and a whole life view of around, um, you know, what's the best thing to, for, for doing in a particular building. Mm -hmm. And Tash, after your uh, sort of extensive research and, and consideration, uh, you're in the process of preparing a, a manifesto uh, for this sustainability sprint. And uh, the, the, the report in progress very much emphasizes the need for a mindset shift uh, in the industry uh, to prioritize sustainability. So what are, the, what are the first steps that organizations and individuals should be taking to try and embrace this mindset shift? I think the first thing is to remember it's a journey. Um, we don't want to greenwash and we can't choose everything. So it's picking what's important to you as a business, whether that's from your ESG strategy, your people, your branding. That's really the first step is just to think what you want to achieve in the space um, as a business as well. Um, that's the first step in deciding where you move to, the building that you're looking at. There's a lot of different um, choices even before you've moved into the space um, to be considering. Um, so there's a lot of practical decisions to be made, You know whether a building is a smart building does it have accreditation? Is that what you're looking for? And I think then thinking about the brand and how people are going to live in the space, we talk a lot about creating human-centric um, spaces and putting the people first. And I think that's another important aspect of thinking about what, um, what decisions you go for. And Steve, I imagine you, you have a lot of thoughts on this and uh, trying to shift people's mindset is, is probably a large part of the work that you do. There is. I think that, you know, there's, a, there's an attitude piece here, I think, which is... Some, maybe something around pragmatic optimism, which is, look, if we are going to rethink the way that we see uh, places of work and living and the built environment uh, going forward, um, 
we need to have a positive mindset in terms of the changes that we can make. And I think getting on the front foot around that, and that's why this initiative is so so powerful, this is why this manifesto is so powerful, is that there's, I think there's an attitude piece here. Um, and I think there's also, uh, you know, then getting into the practicalities again, is like informed decision making. So you go, all right, so I, I get all of this, and you know, we've got this alignment around ESG, we've got the, the values that we want about you know, how we see the future, but actually how we're gonna deliver it on a day-to-day-to-day basis, and that's around informed decision-making. And there are, you know, if you're a specifier, an architect, fit out, then you say, okay, what are the choices that I could be making to uh, create a much better you know, work, workplace and workspace based around actually some individual choices that I'm making along the way. So we all want to support uh, those decisions with more information and more data. Um, but there are some challenges around that, around you know, the interrelatedness of sustainability challenges, you know, carbon, environment, social impact, and so on. Um, but at the end of the day, we need to better inform people to make better decisions. It is an educational piece, I think, and it's getting everyone on that same journey um, from the supply chain through to our developers and our landlords. I think it's a mindset shift for everybody. Um, and as well as a, a collaborative approach, uh, sustainable workplace design often requires a bit of a holistic approach as well. Uh, and so, you know, we, we talk about ESG and it's not it's not solely the E that we are concerned about. Um, so, you know, you, you also have to consider the, the, the social and economic aspects of of uh, sustainable design. So how can organizations strike a balance between these different dimensions of sustainability and, and ensure that, that the initiatives that they're taking are, are comprehensive and holistic and truly impactful? I, I think that um, there's, there's places here which is where there's things which are easy to measure. So the things who, you know, um, you could be looking at energy and utilities, water waste, carbon in the E bit, which are qu- quite straightforward for organisations to measure, both in their own operations, but also in terms of the projects they might be delivering. So I think a lot of people would naturally lean towards those. But in actual fact, actually it's also quite simple to start to measure your social impact in terms of the outreach into the community. And all of this is sort of bundled up as social value, it's sort of overtaken sort of CSR. So you can certainly measure both the E and the S, you know, really, really well. I think that, um, I think it's really important to work with organisations who get that. So, you know, if you're tackling some of these issues, then you might naturally lean towards your supply chain. Mm-hmm. And I think having an informed supply chain, organizations that get it, organizations that are aligned with your values, but also the people inside them, then they really understand those issues. That That's where that you know proper collaboration can happen. And that's where um, I think you can come together to create better solutions. So I imagine it's relatively straightforward to, to bring some people on board and get some people involved in the conversation who understand uh, the, the issues that, 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 that we're facing and the needs to really sort of get to grips and, and, and tackle them. But there, there presumably are other people who, who find all this uh, quite daunting and, and having to think about all this and you know think about uh, how their supply chain impacts on, on everything and measure the various different metrics must seem like an impossible challenge almost to some people. So how, how do you go about kind of bringing them on board and, 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 and sort of persuading them that it is manageable and something that, that they can actually take action on? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, like I said earlier, it's, it's an educational piece. It's about educating our clients. And we work a lot with end users. And they're the people that are really pushing these sustainable choices. I hate to use the word COVID. You know, we've used that <laughs> for the last two years. But I think that's had such a huge push on, you know, where people are moving to, what they want their work-life balance and their, um, you know, what they want from the office. So I think that's a, a really important drive at the moment. Um, and when we come to, you know, speaking with our tenants and, and helping them to make those decisions that's for us as designers to to help them and to educate that supply chain but it's also those quick easy wins that they can do um, and measure um, and as Steve said there are very easy things that we can measure along the way whether it's the fit out um, and that you know that's a huge part where Peldon Rose will um, you know have such a big impact on a on a on a tenant or a landlord so I think actually when we start educating our clients, showing them material choices, talking to them about the social um, economic changes as well. It, it really is that educational piece to get them on the journey. I was really interested about, you know, when you were talking about the sprint um, and you, you, you established out the fact you've got to get a diverse group of stakeholders involved. Um, when you approached them, you know, were they kind of open to that idea? Yeah, I think you've got a mix of people, you know, people are scared. They, they're not sure what the right thing is to do. So we're helping them guide them. And again, we don't know all the solutions either. We don't know the answers. But we're really just trying to get on that journey. And I think a lot of time we have some pushbacks when it comes to budget um, and knowledge and not knowing what the right thing is to do. So when it comes to educating our tenants and our landlords, what they can do in a space and how they can make very easy changes, um, sustainable decisions, whether it's things like considering the flow of the office space to encourage people to move and to walk around the space, thinking about their well-being and thinking about the environment that they're in as well. Um, there are simple things like material choices, considering waste, considering where materials are actually coming from and where they're being sourced from. Um, but also things like uh, smart systems in buildings, considering the lighting on people's well-being. Um, so there are a lot of really easy things we can do in a space to um, already create a very sustainable offering. I think also just building on that, um, you know, it's really important that people feel, uh, you know, from an employee point of view, you know, people want to you know, work with purpose-driven organisations, don't they? And the space that you're in absolutely resonates with them and, and talks about sustainability and the values you might have as an organisation. So simple measures that you might take about encouraging people to um, use the stairs instead of the lift by having that sort of central sort of stairway and so on, you know, the aesthetics around that, um, all of those are really important sort of pointers to the sustainability of an organisation and encouraging better behaviour from the individuals in that company so they all feel part of the whole. And that's why, you know, we're loving the sort of the way you're uncovering these opportunities within this manifesto. Um, and the simple things that organisations can choose to do, which then flow down into the simple things, you're talking about waste and, and so on, both in terms of materials choice, it's also actually that, that bane of everybody's life. It's like, okay, where do I put my, if I'm using disposable cup, which you sh maybe shouldn't be doing, but anyway, if you are using stuff, you actually, it's so important people recycle better. And so this is a place where you can actually give those sort of wayfinding points, those signposting to encourage that better behavior. And it's all wrapped up in, in this sort of manifesto of, of ideas that are very simple to deliver. I'd be interested to hear what some what some of those simple things that you've each implemented in your own workplaces are, and, and perhaps at Peldon Rose, any changes that have directly come from 
from sort of this project? Absolutely. So we're on a journey with Planet Mark at the moment, actually, because we've realised that we aren't making the best choices ourselves. And for us to be able to speak and talk um, confidently with our clients, we need to be making the right choices. And it starts with our building, our business. Um, so we actually had Steve and the team help us from um, Planet Mark to define what our ESG strategy is and what we can do in our own building. Yeah, and I think, um, so uh, from our perspective, it's, it's uh, so... Uh, we're spread all over the country our mm. team and we were just talking you know um, earlier about actually the choices that we want to make as an organization is that if we're going into an office we want to ensure that that space for us is you know measuring and reducing carbon at the very least so that's super important so we generally sort of gravitate towards organizations who are who are doing that so we just moved into 22 bishopsgate um you know, just down the road from mm-hmm. you, yep. which, um, you know, which is sort of signed up to the Planet Mark, but we know they're actively engaged in, in being better. You know, um, there's a big piece here around sort of progress and not perfection. You know, so this is that sort of, it's a bit cliche, but it is a bit of a journey and we're taking people on that. Um, but you don't have to be perfect. We're just trying to get better and better and better. Um, yeah, so, you know, if we're in a space at Planet Mark, then we just need to know and be reassured that that building, that landlord is actively engaged in measuring reducing carbon and include in increasing their social impact. Mm-hmm. And, and what are some of the recommendations you've you've made to Belden Rose? So with, with with the team, it's actually starting to get your arms around your own sort of carbon emissions. So actually measuring stuff, you know, is super important. So you can then start to set some targets. Go one carbon emissions and two sort of you know fuel that you're using electricity. Getting into your scope three is really really important because that's the wider impacts you've got as an organisation. And then you know for us actually the team at, at Peld and Rose are super enthusiastic as as you know because they've taken this initiative here. So it's actually unlocking the skills and passions of the people inside the company to make their choices about actually where they want to see change happen. Um, and then there is another piece of about sort of democratizing what we're doing and making it business as usual. Um, you know, this manifesto goes a long way to do that, but it's important that organizations talk about sustainability so that others follow suit. So we're desperate for leadership in this space and demonstrating that, you know, companies can be acting ahead of compliance and regulation. So we've touched on how uh, sustainability is about more than the environment and as well as a, taking a planet first approach that, that also a, a people first approach is, is very important. And uh, you, I think the project has identified the importance of a very inclusive design uh, for the, you know, as our, our workforce is changing and, and we're, we're increasingly recognizing uh, a, a wider and a more diverse range of wants and needs from from people who are entering the workforce. So could you elaborate for us a little bit on uh, how uh, people can ensure that their workspace caters to the, the needs of that diverse work, workforce, including those uh, with neurodiverse requirements? Absolutely. So the workplace more than ever should be putting the people first, creating human-centric spaces for everybody. And it's not a one-size-fits-all. There are so many array of needs from everybody. You know, we're all different, whether you're neurodiverse, neurotypical, um, have a physical disability. We all need different things. So creating areas that everyone can use you know whether there's quiet spaces retreats for people to go and take themselves away from then thinking about how um, we can adapt a space and make it flexible for people 
that going forwards is going to be one of the biggest things pushing forwards is, is flexibility um, and giving choice and freedom and autonomy as to how people want to work. Whether it is just being able to turn down a light in a room and giving people those choices, everyone works differently. So really opening up that landscape of giving opportunity and choice to everyone will create an inclusive and hopefully accessible space. Um, super, super important that we are putting our people first as well as just the environment. Mm-hmm. I can talk to that you know, from a practical point of view about what we experience, you know, in my in my company. So, you know, we have you know a whole bunch. We have a, a you know a vast array of people um, who are in different job functions and in different characters and needs. Um, and we're just talking from a practical point of view because we have to work in flexible space. So it's easy, say, for you know the marketing and, and team and BDMs to, to sort of you know pop them down in, in themselves in any generally sort of communal space because they want that type of interaction but in actual fact with our with our analysts who might be working out carbon and so on they they certainly have different needs and just from a practical point of view you know that might mean whether you know they need more than just kind of turning up with a laptop they need the screens and the capability and the infrastructure to know to, to know them to do it so we, we see that ourselves i think your point, though, from a more broader perspective, is is really important. Which is, you know, what's the sort of the, the further use and utilization of space? And that's, you know, I, I, I can, you know, only sort of see that as rapidly evolving and, um, you know, hopefully getting better understood. But if you're reaching out into the community to say, actually, could this space, could this building be used beyond, you know, an eight or twelve hour period into a twenty four hour period? You know, how could it operate in that way so that we all get more value from it? Can it be used by the local community or, um, you know, individuals and organisations who need and desire that space and it's available to them? Um, you know, that does a great good, but it can also be great for the company that's making that available for their ESG mission because you can measure that in terms of social value. We don't have to measure everything, we just do good, right? But sometimes it's really important to push that up in terms of you know, a measurement in terms of data to say, well, this is where we are now, this is what we've managed to achieve. And you know what, we just wanna do more. I think data as well is really important. Um, there was actually a, a white paper written by Brookfield Properties with uh, Foster and Partners. Um, essentially, it was looking into um, environmental workplace of the future. So they actually collected some data. And one of the facts that really stood out to me was 93% of people working in an environmentally friendly office felt happier, felt like their work is being, um, it, you know, it's better. They're producing better work. So I think there is data to really push forward making those right decisions for the people. Health and well-being and productivity go hand in hand, right? You know, particularly within a you know mission-driven and purpose-driven organisation. So we would, you know, absolutely concur. I think there's sort of a, a wealth of data and opinion that it, it's also very high up on the list of things that, that the next generation of, of of workers are looking for when they decide where and and how they want to work and the, the careers that they want to follow. Uh, and and uh, Steve mentioned community and that is something that is is a big part of the the sustainability sprint um manifesto as it's developing isn't it that that role that the office plays in the community yeah we've really challenged what the office is what is the workspace you know it's longer the days where it was nine to five monday to friday um and i think actually using these these buildings as multi-purpose spaces using it for 24 hours is so much more beneficial and i think it can benefit the community but also businesses themselves 
Absolutely. There's, there's so much that I'm sure we could talk about, and I'm sure you each could could talk about all of these matters for, for hours if, if we had that time available. But as we sort of uh, build on what we've discussed, I just thought it might be interesting if you could just maybe I- identify some some practical first steps that could be taken by, by landlords and occupiers uh, if, as they're considering if they want to uh, want to create a planet first office? Yeah, I think our landlords need to be making the decisions first. Um, I think that is pushing the end user and I actually think end users are asking them for it more. So creating um, offerings for end users that are more sustainable, whether that is a smart building, whether they have looked into accreditation um, or the building itself has just got a great story um, for whoever's moving into that. Um, I think that's where it can start. It's it's looking at the building itself, um, the surrounding areas and what that's going to give back. There's no doubt that in actual fact, if you can just remove this, um, you know, perceived barrier between landlords and occupiers, uh, is a great first step. Somebody's going to take the first move, you know, in any one of these sort of relationships. So, um, but the door, sh- the door is often open. So we absolutely know that. Um, so all the organisations that we certify, most of them are, in, you know, nearly all of them are in buildings. Right, and what they want to do is have greater influence over what takes place in their space within that building. So they want to talk to landlords. Um, they also actually quite often want data that the landlord has got, and sometimes it's not apparently that easy to get. You know, just in terms of simple data like like, like energy. So um, and so, th- therefore, we love to see landlords who take the initiative. Yeah, they take the first step. They say, right, we're going to set up a meeting with all of our occupiers, if it's a multi-layer or, you know, then the single occupier, and we're going to talk to you about a direction of travel that we think is right for all of us. And I, and I think that is quite often the first step. Makes it sound a little bit like a sprint relay. So uh, as, as the landlord passes the baton to the to the occupiers, what uh, what what should their sort really of first like thoughts? That. Yeah, you should pass <laughs> pass the baton, and it, and and, and it's, it's it's a relay which goes throughout that value chain, isn't it? Actually, we're funny, you know, you you know, you're passing your impacts, you're passing your positive impacts and positive opportunities, be it carbon or social value, whatever it is, up and down the supply chain throughout into your customer base, um, and at the heart of it, you could actually. You know, the, the idea of this sort of planet first building as a concept we love because it's you know, it's a hub. It's the center of a place where stuff, where good things can happen. And that's what we're, we're seeing and reading through the, the, the work that Peldon Rose have done. Do we get to ask you what you think? You, uh, you certainly can ask me what I think. I uh, absolutely agree uh, with, with everything you said. I'm, I'm uh, a hybrid worker. I spend sort of uh, some of the time in the office, but most of the time uh, at home and uh, definitely, I'm one of those people that, in order to to come into the office, I I, I need to feel like it's been worth my while, and that I'm I'm, I'm more engaged and, and more productive uh, when I'm there. So all of these aspects that we've talked about, in terms of uh, you know it, it being a uh, a place that is uh, sustainable environmentally, and and um, and also uh, something that works for for my way of thinking and my way of, of working. It, is absolutely obviously something I'm on board with and I think we all are. I imagine a, a lot of people do get very overwhelmed when they think about the challenges that, that this involves and, and the amount of work that might be involved in, in changing the way they work. So I can understand that, that some people might struggle in that respect. But I think uh, from everything that I, I see and the people that I talk to, I talk to a lot of lawyers particularly, I think uh, the industry is widely engaging with these uh, challenges and, and realising 
that this is something that we we do all have to to get on board with and and as you've said it uh it's it's sort of finding that collaborative approach and 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 starting that conversation uh between everyone in real estate to to realize that it's not this is not something where people are necessarily competing this is something where we we are all in it together and, and we do have to make major changes in order to, to kind of safeguard uh, what remains of, of our future. La last point for me is that I, I tell you, you know, this isn't the domain of the corporate only and the big institutions and for an organisation like Pelden Rose to take the initiative as a small organisation choosing to make a difference, we totally applaud that and we hope that others will follow suit. Thanks Steve. So I think finally from me, um, I think making those little changes, getting on that journey, um, it's starting that process. And I think your office and your workplace is where we can make some of the biggest changes. Um, and that then just has such a ripple effect on, on the rest of the business and the strategies going forward. So any change is good change and any, any movement towards a more sustainable offering, you know, is a, is a great choice to be made. Thank you very much uh, to you both for those in, uh, sort of very important lessons on how we can all be uh, putting the planet first um, uh, you have been listening to the EG Property Podcast <laughs> <laughs>